We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, it is it is Friday. You know, it's Friday, Vince. It's Friday, Ryan. And you guys all know what you mean. It's not just good Friday, Brian. It's a great Friday. It's a great it's Friday. That's right. Football because mailbag, baby. It is mailbag time. And here's the cool thing. We're going to have two shows today. So this mailbag is going to go until 2.30, unless we run out of questions before then. And the next, <laughs> the first time that we run out of questions for say. a show on Friday will be the first time that we run out of questions for a show on a Friday. Right. Uh, but we're going to end it at 2.30 and take a little break, take deep breaths, and then Ryan and I are going to come back. Vince is going to head over to his his baseball game today. They got a, a game today, so hopefully it stays dry. <laughs> Here's hope. We're coming off yeah. a W, baby. <laughs> yeah, Woo-hoo! we'll see. Congrats on that. Get another one tonight against the Lancers. So uh, we'll come back at 3 o'clock, and we're going to carry the uh, commitment ceremony for Jabron Payne. He's going to choose between Notre Dame, Kentucky, and a couple other schools today. He's a 2022 running back, so we will carry that commitment. And then after he makes his decision, wherever that may be, we will talk about what it means for Notre Dame, one way or the other. And then we'll dive into uh, uh, some other topics. And then what Ryan and I will probably do then is uh, we'll we'll probably kind of dive into some some questions i'll ryan will have to leave and then i'll kind of do some stuff and then if he's able to come back we'll, we'll dive in some questions but it'll mostly be focused on jabron Payne. so that's what's going on for today and enough of that stuff vince it's question time it's friday free right. for all time so let's get this thing rocking and rolling man i'm starting right at the top baby jordan's got the first one in here he says who do you think makes a bigger impact this year Dion colsey or tobias merriweather and is it significant this is a good. This is a great question to me because I've seen Deion Colsey during spring practice. You know the amount that we're allowed to see him, and he has definitely he's markedly gotten better since last year, and most of that has been between the ears, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. But he's still a little inconsistent to me. And, right. But I have not been able to see Tobias Merriweather, so that kind of goes up to this guy right here to kind of give you know his opinion on you know Tobias. Which, which guy's that? This guy right here. Okay, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I think Dion's going to make an impact. Yeah. But I just don't know how much a guy who's coming in in June. We'll see. I don't know. It's a couple thoughts I have, Ryan. Yeah. And then I'll kick it over to you. 
number one is I think when, once they arrive, you could argue that these are the two most high ceiling guys that they have on the roster uh, from a from a college standpoint. You know, we've kind of discussed you know who's the better pro prospect, and you could debate Lorenzo Styles is in that conversation, and I think that's a very sympathetic argument. But the reality is, is Dion and Tobias both have things you can't teach, and that is they're really tall and really long. The thing about Dion is, is he's 6'5", he's 207, he can run, he's fluid, he's smooth. I mean, you watch his high school cornerback tape, and he's flipping his hips. I mean, he's as smooth as a, as a six-foot corner. The question I've always had for Dion, and this goes back to his like, sophomore year, rising June, going into his junior season when he camped at Notre Dame, my big question for Dion is, does Dion want to be great? He has the tools to be great. Does he want to be great? That's the only question I have. With Tobias, that's not a question for me. Like, there's no doubt in my mind, Tobias is a worker. I mean, you don't play sports year-round, the things he does, and he just has that mindset of, I want to be, I want to dominate. And and Dion can be that guy, but that's just the thing that I that I that I still think is kind of missing there, or at least not where it needs to be. Now, again, Dion's a real young kid. Yeah. I think there's a lot of maturity that needs to go. And when you were talking about between the ears, it's more about just getting comfortable in the system and getting coached and, and getting coached know, properly right. too. It's, part, it's definitely part of it. I, right. I think part of his inconsistency when he would get in last year, he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Right. And I, I don't necessarily put all that on him. You I don't know what put I mean? a lot of that on him. Yeah. So uh, I don't put much of that on him. Right. So that, that is going to be huge as to how he takes the coaching right. of coach Stuckey, because I, I think he's a really good coach from everything that I've seen. And I'm excited to see how that translates for Dion. So the, the, to answer the question then Vince, for me, I'm more confident that Tobias Merriweather is going to play next year and be impactful. I'm more confident that that's going to happen. As far as predicting, it just depends on what Dion does between now and then, because the reality is, is Dion is, it has the best size frame catch radius, all that on the roster. And that's not going to change when Dion shows up or when Tobias shows up, because Dion's still going to be at least an inch taller, still going to be at least 15 pounds heavier. He's longer. It's really going to come down to Dion. It's does Dion want to be great or not? And if Dion decides, you know what, this football thing is for me and I want to be a great player then there's no doubt in my mind he's going to have an impact next year. I just I know Tobias is going to make an impact next year. I just I mean I have no doubt. Dion to me is still a work in progress. So the growth he makes from now until September 3rd is is going to determine whether or not I'm more confident in this answer when we get when we get into that that lead into the Ohio State game. I don't I don't think that it's much of a I don't know if you agree with this Brian, but I I don't I think that this question is a lot different if Tobias Merriweather was a was an early enrollee. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I don't even think it'd be close. I, I would pick Tobias Merriweather if that was the situation. Mm-hmm. The fact I don't that he's disagree not, with that. The fact that he's coming in not coming in until the summer that changes the the feeling of it a little bit. I still lean towards Tobias Merriweather just because, like you said, everything I've heard of him, every interview I've ever heard him do, the kid has that like little. Subtle, I don't even say it's subtle. He's got a lot of confidence Ooh. in his game, you know. And he, I think that he's going to come in and he's not, it's kind of like Jaden Mickey to a degree, right? Like Jaden Mickey came in and he was competing immediately because he thought he belonged there. And I think Tobias right. is kind of the same way. So I still take Tobias, but I think he's behind the eight ball a little bit just with, with not being an early enrollee for this question. I think for me, I would be a little bit more concerned about the early enrollee aspect of it if it wasn't a new coach. Like the way I look at it is, Dion only has a 15 practice head start on Tobias because it's a new 
system and a new coach. Not a new system, but a new new coach system from a coaching right. standpoint. From a receiver. wide receiver room standpoint. Yeah. And, and again, I it just I know Dion's I know D- Tobias gonna put in the work. Now we need to find out if Dion can. My my hope is that by the by the time we get to the middle of next season, our answer is both. Because if they both step up, like if, if Tobias does what Ryan and I, I think both think he's gonna do this year, and and if Dion d- place of the potential that I believe that he has, this receiving core is going to be a, a, a huge, huge impact on this football team because that takes pressure off Lorenzo Styles, It takes pressure off Avery Davis. It takes pressure off Braden Lindsay. It allows them to have a deeper rotation. And then, of course, it gives you two big guys. So when you want to play big boy football, you, you can. On. Yeah. You right, know, and, right. and then when you when you want to get small and, you can, and fast, you can go three you can. wide with with because then you've got Michael Mayer as well. I mean, right. you could go three wide big right. guy if you want. So there's a lot of things that you could do if both Dion and Tobias are ready to play yeah. next year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife likes to think of herself as a coffee expert. So when we decided to give Trade Coffees a try, she was excited to see what they had to offer. And we were not disappointed. After figuring out a short quiz that matches you with just the right coffee, we received the Holmes blend from Sparrow's Coffee in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The Nostalgia Series blend that she received from Sparrow's Coffee made an immediate impression as soon as she opened the box. And once she brewed the Holmes blend the next morning, she was able to enjoy a rich, smooth cup of coffee with a very robust flavor. My wife is quite picky about her coffees, but you can be sure that she'll once again be buying from Sparrow's Coffee and we'll be going back to Trade Coffee for another shot at getting a tasty blend from a regional company. You have to give Trade's Coffee a try. Trade's Coffee team actually tastes thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. What we learned is that Trade Coffee send you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters. Small businesses who pay farmers fair prices to sustainably source the greatest beans from around the world. Trade's Coffee's experts personally taste over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend for you. Just answer a couple of questions and you get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as soon as you like. No gimmicks. 
Trade delivers a fresh bag of roasted coffee as whole beans or ground for however you brew it at home. And they guarantee you'll love your first order or they'll replace it for free. Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee. And right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Bobby S. checking in, says, looks like more Jagasaw and Tate are going to take officials into the summer. So what's your new prediction for the 23 commits this month? I'm going with two, says Bobby. I think it'll still be more than that. I, I'd but, say I'd say it's three, maybe four. Yeah. But I would say I would say three is a safe number, personally. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of what we talked about. We, I'll say the three that I thought it was going to be is not the same. I Look, I'm still confident in all the guys that I thought were going to predict. It's just some of them are going to take it into May and June. I mean, I, I I know everybody's freaking out from a timing standpoint, like, oh, this is getting delayed. I mean, that was more of what we thought and what Notre Dame wanted, not so much. Like, Dante never said he was going to commit in April. I know that there were people at Notre Dame that wanted him to commit in April, and – he wanted him to commit in April, but Dante has said for a while he's going to take officials. The good news is he's starting him now. That's the positive. I mean, True. he's going to have what How? two done by the end of April, which okay. is something that's weird because I always thought you couldn't start officials until June. I've Thank never you. heard of a kid taking officials in April. Okay, I was going to ask that because I didn't I, think that was the case either. I read, but... I, I read a couple things that said for the last two years you could have taken officials in April, but huh. because of COVID. So apparently, like the rule got in place when they changed the recruiting timeline, the rule changed. But then that next year COVID is when no, COVID hit. No, business and then period. last year they didn't they didn't open up visits again and because of COVID until the summer. Right. So apparently that that guys have never been allowed to. Notre Dame's not starting officials till June, so they're not having anybody coming in April. But like Tobias and and or, I mean Dante and Cardinal Tate are going to to LSU next weekend in their official visits. So well, it, it's a strange thing. And I think that context should settle everyone down a little bit because I think when you think about what officials typically were, right? Like it's a little further into the future. So you're like, oh, wow, months, like months are going to pass. Right. Right. Months are going to pass. So now you're really worried because Notre Dame's in good position for a couple of those, you know, of more Jagus, Jagusa. Jagusa and Tate. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yes. We, we just learned that like Wednesday night is when we changed <laughs> yes. it. Yeah. Okay. All right. The official pronunciation for Iris Breakdown and Charles Jagusa has changed. <laughs> Without a statement. Yeah. It is no longer Jagasol. Did he change his name? No, we were just idiots. You're going to need to see that letterhead. I'm going to need to see that official statement. Okay. <laughs> All right, next question from Jordan says, do you think Tyler can match the type of output Jack put up against the Cowboys, Oklahoma State, at the end and at the end of the season, and why can't he have a 4,000-yard passing season? Would Jack have had 4,000 had Reese been in charge in 21? Um, first of all, there. no, because that puts him on pace for 6,000 yards. Oh, 500 yards right. games hard? Is that hard? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even, even air raids don't do I get the point of – I'm just joking with you, Jordan. I get the point of what he's saying. No, I don't think that's going to be expectation because, look, in order for Jack Cohn to make – to have production, it had to be through the air. Yes. Now, could we see games where Tyler Buckner has 500 yards of offense? Yes. Brandon Wimbush almost had a couple of those. I mean, Brandon Wimbush had some 400-yard games uh, when he was at Notre Dame, and they were never close to that in passing. 
You know, I think of the Wake Forest game where he had, what, 280 passing yards and I think 120 rushing yards and didn't play the fourth quarter in that game. Because remember, he got hit in the hand right before halftime and uh, he ended up hurting his hand. He ended up playing the third quarter. So, no, I don't expect him to uh, – a 4,000-yard passing season, why can't they have it? Because, I mean, they can. I mean, they can. I just don't think that they necessarily want that as much. Look, Notre Dame's going to have a 4,000-yard passing season soon, in my opinion, Be, if the offense continues to do what we saw, which is the RPOs. That's right, that's right. where it'll come from. But right. the other thing you got to understand is you don't hire Harry Heastan so you can throw for 4,500 yards. <laughs> right. right? You you hire Harry Heastan because you want to have an elite running attack, which and then Tommy Reese is going to build a passing attack around that, and, and they're going to be far more balanced than they've been. That's been the problem for Notre Dame in the past, right, guys? I mean, we've seen some seasons where they threw the ball a ton. You know, you look at 2014, for example, in 13 games, Notre Dame passed for 3,700 yards with Everett Golson and Malik Zaire. I mean, Everett threw for over 3,400 yards. So we've seen years where they've kind of gotten really good production in the past game. 2018, they threw for over 3,300 yards. You know, so we've seen we've seen years where – you know, where that's the case, but I, I just think this team wants to be more balanced, you know, where they're going to throw for 3,500, you know, or I think with Tyler Buckner, it's like, you know, pass for 2,800 plus at least, you know, 3,000 plus, but then run for 200 plus a game. I think that the, that's where they want to be because that fits Tyler Buckner style too, right guys? I mean, Tyler Buckner, we think can throw the ball. I mean, the, the, this whole notion that he's like a, basically a slightly better version of Brandon Wimber, they're completely different players in my opinion. But I don't think you're going to go out there with Tyler Buckner and say, hey, let's throw for 4,000 yards when you have the kind of backs and the kind of uh, line that they have. Now, could could if they get Dante Moore, will we be having the same conversation in a couple of years? No, because all the running yards that, that Tyler Buckner is going to get, because what's going to happen with Buckner, and you guys tell me if you disagree with this, some of the RPOs are going to turn into read zones. That, that That's oh, going to be absolutely. the case, right? Absolutely. Now, yeah. sometimes you'll have the option to throw out of the read zones, but some of the stuff that was the RPOs that they were pulling and throwing out in the, the bowl game are going to be read zones or power reads where Tyler Buckner pulls it and runs it, right? right. That's just what he's going to do. Dante Moore is going to be more like Jack Cohn in that it's all going to be with his arm. He'll scramble and stuff like that, but it's all going to be with his arm. And so I, I think a 4,000 season is going to come. It's just – it's not going to be with Tyler Buckner quarterback. And that's not a shot at Tyler Buckner. It's just, if that's what you're doing, I don't know if you're either a, they are going to have a, a an, an insane offense this year. Like if Tyler Buckner passes for 4,000 yards this year or anywhere close 4,000 yards, this Notre Dame offense is going to be absurd. Yeah. I mean, just right. absolutely absurd. We're talking like not top five in the country, total offense. Cause they're going to run the ball. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. the thing that they're going to be able to do. There's no question. Yeah, and, and that means honestly, if you're passing for that much, that means that you just have everything working, right? <laughs> like it's not, and people are loading up to stop the run at that point. If that's just the the kind of uh, percentage that you're throwing the football a ton, I, I think again, like you said, could he hit three thousand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Tyler Buckner could go over three, sure, but he's also going to run for like eight hundred yards in a in a ideal world, and that's not even counting what the other running backs are going to do yeah. too. So, yeah, I agree. It's a good question. I did like that question, Jordan. <clears throat> yeah, it's a really good question. John A1 checking in, as he always does on Fridays. Would you rather the light come on instinct-wise for Bo Bauer or Aiden Gobira make a physical jump to earn a role in 22? That's interesting. Um, off the top of my head, I would say Aiden Gobira, even though I know you you don't need him this year, right? Like he's a guy that can be taken along a little slowly. 
but I, I'm really excited about what they have at linebacker this year, right? Like, I don't think they need Bo Bauer, but if you have another souped-up athletic pass rusher to go along with Isaiah Foskey, Justin Adamalola, you're trying to find who that next pass rusher is, right? So the pressure packages with Aiden Gobire, if he takes, if he's that guy that can contribute in a pass rush capacity as a freshman, like, I think that's awesome. And also, if he takes a jump as a true freshman, there's another jump that's going to be coming, right? Like, it's not just mm-hmm. going to be as good as he is when he's a freshman. Bo Bauer would be not nice. his if, body. Yeah. Exactly. If Bo Bauer took a nice step, that would be fantastic for depth-wise. But, I mean, I think that even if it's like Maris Loyfowl and J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser and a couple of these other linebackers make, doing the work, um, I think that they'll be just in plenty of a good situation. So, I would I would take a go buyer just for the pass rush upside and even adding to even add another layer to the pass rush. I don't disagree with anything Ryan just said, but I'm still going with Bo Bauer. And the reason I say that is is because he, he, to me, I still feel like given Notre Dame a six foot three, two hundred and thirty pound, fast Mike linebacker in this defense that can hit would still give him a big jump. Like I think JD Bertrand can have a really good season. There's no doubt about it. That's why I'm confident in the mic position. Cause if both, if the light doesn't go on for Bo, they're going to be fine with JD and, and, and junior to Alamaka from what we've heard and seen. So in that regard, I think Ryan is spot on. They don't need Bo Bauer to step up. However, I feel like if he does, cause it like a Viper, like you also said, Ryan, like they don't need go to step up either. Right. You're going to have, Foskey, you're going to have Justin Adamiola, you're going to have, you know, Riley Mills and, you know, guys like that. Like, I would love it if Aiden Gobira stepped up. But I feel like if you could put, again, that six foot three, 230, fast, physical Mike linebacker in the middle of that defense that can blitz, I just feel like that would, that, I mean, now all of a sudden you're six three at Mike, you're six three at Will. You know, now all of a sudden you have this really, really impressive athleticism and range. I feel like that would have an even bigger impact on this year. But I think that, if we're going to take a bigger long-term approach, Ryan, then I mm-hmm. think the point you made that I that I really liked was if we're just talking 22 with the question, then I'm taking Bo. If we say what's best for the program without like putting a, a 2022 st- stamp on it, then I would go with you because the point you made was really spot on is if Aiden steps up and plays this year, physically he's going to have another big jump because he's still a pretty skinny kid. And you start thinking about, like, what could this D-line be like in the future? And then you start feeling really good. You, you're not as, like, you're going to always miss Foskey. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you're not going to be stressing it quite as much if Aiden has the kind of jump in the breakout that, that we're talking about in this question. Venture the tiebreaker. Well, I'm not going to rehash everything that you guys just said because you both made really, really good points. But uh, anybody that's watched this uh, channel for, you know, as long as I've been on it, um, it knows that I'm a huge Bo Bauer fan and that I, I, but you jumped off the, you jumped off the bandwagon. The last yeah, I mean, weeks, I was, I, mean. I was like dragging behind, like mm-hmm. I wasn't completely like still kind of holding on yeah, with hand, still, yeah. Indiana Jones. Right. right exactly. Cause I'm in that kind of an athlete. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I will, I would love to see the blight come off of Bo because exactly what you said, every time you see him, he is, when I think of who I want physically at Mike linebacker, like it, Bo Bauer, there was a mold made and Bo Bauer is the one that popped out. Like that is the guy that I want as a Mike, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that he still plays. He's really good at kind of, you know, rushing the passer and doing some things like that. So the light comes on for him. I think this 22 defense is going to be really, really, really good. Um, and so 
I can't jump completely off the bandwagon. I I love Bo Bauer, and I'm going to continue my love fest. We got to get to something else, Vince, before you find the next question. Because okay. we try to stay in reality here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Generally. We try to live in the real world. Yeah. My man, Jason, refuses to accept reality. Oh, I haven't even read this. Okay, here we go. We're both in our 40s now, and Jason still wants to talk about whether or not he could or couldn't sack me in high school. So Jason left the super <laughs> chat. And so it says, question for Vince. Vince, how many times would I have strip sacked Brian in high school before they yanked him from the game and I knocked, or I knocked him out of the game? Over under is five and a half. Probably wow. way over. And then I love this response from, from Jason. Spanky, not with me at left tackle. I'd be serving you a hot plate of all-you-can-eat pancakes with extra butter. So I'm loving the discussion going on here. But the premise is Jason actually thinks his big old chunky butt could have caught me in high school. And that's the problem. Like, I may look like a nose tackle now, but I was pretty darn athletic. I, I've seen pictures of you when yeah. you were younger. And I... It, you were an athlete, yeah. baby. By the way, I did when I was home last time. I actually did find my high school highlight tape. You so, shut up. Yeah, I'm gonna have to show you the six touchdown performance highlights. You know, so <laughs> that's awesome. Al Bundy awesome. and his four touchdowns is nothing. I got you, sucker. But, <laughs> that uh, is aw- I mean, okay. I look. say six. Technically, it was only five. I had a touchdown in the back of the end zone that I hauled down on a contested throw that they ruled me out. But you can see on the film, I had both freaking feet inbounds. You know, so but whatever. <laughs> Um, so technically it was only five, oh, but uh, anyway, Vince, and you know, here's the thing, Spank, you got to understand Vince, you don't sign Vince's. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, if we're, <laughs> if we're dealing in reality here, um, there's only one person in this group that literally lives in my neighborhood and signs my paychecks. <laughs> so definitely going to go with a far under on this one. And, <laughs> and also has an arsenal. In his basement. Yeah, there's that too. There, there is that as well. <laughs> so, you know, I do want to live to see 42. So, yeah. uh, but, but in all seriousness, Jason, I, Spanky's my guy. I've known Jason over 10 years. That's my dude, but he <laughs> still lives in this chat, fantasy man. world that he could have, he could have <laughs> tackled me in high school. That's great. So, that's my dude. All right. He also, he also said he's only 38. So, he's he only 38. Me. Yeah. Well, he, he, the, time hasn't been good to him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Whoa. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh i can only i only say that people who aren't familiar with us jason's a, a, literally a good friend of mine we've known each other for over 10 years so it's all in good fun oh anyway let's goodness. get back to, to to reality here guys uh, <laughs> do you want to put up any of the starred questions you want me to just keep going down the just list? just keep going down the list okay. and then i'll kind of work some okay. of those in as all we right, go cool. sounds good jordan says do you think the line can win the joe moore award this year uh, I mean, that's a tough projection, right? I, I'm going to say no. I mean, they. I think they'd definitely be a top five to ten line this year with the improvements that they're going to make. But you're asking a line that was severely under underwhelming last year. And although they have a great offensive line coach coming in and there's a lot of talent, that's still a massive jump from mm-hmm. underwhelming to best line in the country in a single year. That's a, that's a lot. That I, is a big jump, no question. I, I, I Is it possible? Yeah, I think there's a lot yeah. of talent on here. We've we've talked about the talent that's here. They they've got arguably the best center in the country. I think when it's all said and done, and they've got two really really good tackles, young tackles. They're both sophomores, obviously. Honestly, I think it comes down to how the guard play is, um, and who ends yeah. up. You know, it, it can Josh Lug fulfill what we think he can be. He just be solid. All, the guards yeah. just have to be solid. In Absolutely. And and so, what are the guards going to give this right. line? So I'm really confident question. in three of the five positions. But I'm not necessarily confident all around. So I'll say right. it 
I like top five to top 10. I think that's an absolute possibility. Could they compete for it? They could. I can't predict that they're going to win it, though. Yeah, That's a little I'm too not funny. going to predict that they're going to win it, but I, uh, I think the question wasn't, are you predicting they will win it? It's, can they win it? And I think they certainly can, and I'm going to give a couple reasons why. Number one is, uh, Ryan, we're practicing our point counterpoints for the show, right? <laughs> uh, my, my point counterpoint to how bad they were last year, I don't disagree with you at all, uh, but let's just not forget that the last time they won the Joe Moore Award, they were coming off a 4-8 and eight season. So, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, you had a lot, you had some return. You had a lot of returning starters coming back. You had four returning starters, and one of them was a guy named Quentin Nelson. He's pretty good. Uh, you know, so so it's not a direct comparison. I you know I th- I think the talent is there. I actually think the guards are a big part of it. But you know, I think the bigger question for me is 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 what kind of jump can we really expect these tackles to make as sophomores? Like there's and and probably fault probably wrongly on our part. We're expect we're just assuming the tackles are going to be elite next year. And that might be a tad unfair for us since they are just going to be true sophomores. And, and so, but, but I think they certainly can. And here's a couple other things to me that the factor into it is, you know, you look at Alabama had some really big personnel losses on their line. Not a lot, but the ones they lost were pretty important. They've got a new O-line coach this year. Although I think he, I think they actually upgraded also from a coaching standpoint. I think the guy they got from Kentucky, I don't know if you agree with this, Ryan, is a better coach than Doug Marone. Cause I, what I said last year about Doug Marone is he's always going to have his eye on, what's coming next for him, you know, getting back to the NFL and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, M- Michigan, I, I, I don't know if Michigan's gonna be able to repeat what they did last year. They'll have a chance. You know, they were really good last year. They've got a lot of guys coming back, but they lost some key guys, but I think they played, I think they played above their talent last year. And that's just my opinion. And and I, I don't know if we're going to see that again this year, you know, Georgia lost some pretty important guys. They're losing starters and depth guys are transferring out of Georgia going pro. You know, Iowa lost their best player, by far their best blocker. They should still be a good line, but, you know, are, are they a given? So I look around the country, and, and I don't know that there's a given offensive line that I say, yep, they're definitely the favorite. I mean, you'd have to say Michigan simply because they've got, what, four starters returning from the group that won and, it last year, right? And they and they got the uh, the Virginia center that made All-American transfer in. So, yeah, yeah. I have a hard time putting any Virginia offensive lineman as an All-American. <laughs> I mean, you know, that hot mess that that line was, but he's a good, if anyone is going to, I mean, he was their best lineman, you know, so it's going to be interesting, but I think they can, but that's not my expectation. Honestly, I think the key for me is, are they in the top? Are they one of the five best lines? That's at the end of the day, all I care about Mm -hmm. whether, whether they win the Joe Moore award or not, I don't really care as much about that. That's more for perception and recruiting and all that kind of right. stuff. Like, hey, the last two times Harry he stands coaching offensive line in college football, they've been the Joe Moore Award winner, right? Like, this is great for recruiting. I just care that they be a, that they're a top five unit. I think that's the key. I mean, I think we all agree they're a top ten. They'll be a top ten unit. I think mm-hmm. the higher they are up that ranking is going to have a greater impact on how good this football team is going to be on offense this season. John's got a two parter, so here we go. Quarterback is an important position to secure early in the recruiting class, but for the rest of the offensive recruits, it is a wait and see, or is it a wait and see the product in season? Part two, Notre Dame has landed good offensive recruiting classes uh, since 2018, but the top skill targets have been wasted or transferred. Yeah, I mean, I mean, traditionally speaking, skill positions usually wait a little longer, right? Like you usually see wide receivers go off off the board a little bit later into the process. Offensive line, John, like I mean, typically those guys come off too because 
I mean, the majority of offensive linemen don't really care about the recruiting process too much. You know, they want to build their relationships and they want to get out of there. It's not like a spectacle on Twitter or other social media. So they usually get out, out quick. And like you said, quarterbacks usually come off the board pretty quick. And they certainly are this year because they're going to try to set up the, the class, obviously, in their image and get the players that they want around them. So typically skill positions are what you're going to be waiting on a little bit. Like they usually, I mean, they're at least going to see who the quarterback of the class is. So, mm-hmm. And, th- I, you know, we, we think there's a good chance that they, they do, do get on the board though um, mm-hmm. in regards to the skill players. But as far as like just the, me- the, the, just the, the whole, the momentum, the different things like that, I think that's going to require the quarterback to happen, you know? So, yeah. But I, I, but I also think the one thing that could be a little bit unique about Notre Dame this year is that the one thing that Notre Dame can offer is you're going to have a chance to play right now when when you come here as a receiver. I mean, there there's going to be a need for that. So I think that's something that could help them out a little bit. But you know, I or I, I think it's important early in the recruiting class. But here's the, here's the interesting thing. I want we have always have to context is always important. You know who else isn't really getting any commitments in the month of April? Everyone else. I was going to say, every, if you look at the national ranking, yeah. and I did this the other day, and it's the only reason I yeah. know this because this is Ryan's territory, but Notre Dame has like a ton of recruits compared to a yeah, lot. It's of it's been weird. Like mm-hmm. I think, and I don't know if it's NIL. Like kids are wanting to get. To, I don't know if it's because the official visit process has moved. I don't really know what it is, but I remember a couple years ago we were taught like I can't believe how many kids are committing early. It was insane. Like it was yeah. an absurd number. Like nine hundred some kids had committed to compared to like three hundred in previous years. And I think that's kind of going back a little bit because I mean Chris Vizina committed to Clemson. Honestly, he wasn't a take at some of his other top schools because they're waiting to see how some other guys go, right? And so we're just we're not seeing a lot of kids commit. Period. I mean, some of the guys coming off the board, like you know Michael Daughtry and Ryan Yates to LSU recently. Those again, those are guys that weren't takes at bigger schools. Yeah, right. right? right. So they're trying to secure spots at a place like LSU. Notre Dame didn't want either one of those guys. Either one of those guys, right? So it, it, it's interesting, but also we have to understand too is Notre Dame is shooting for bigger fish in this class. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's going to take longer. I mean, and, right. and sometimes right. it's, it's you know, kids wanted to come, but they, it couldn't work out schedule-wise. I think there's some kids in the class. If Notre Dame really turned the screws up, there's a couple kids they could flat out get to commit this month. But they're not doing that because they want to make sure that when kids to commit. And that's, and that's ultimately, at the end of the day, the reason why, you know, from talking to sources, Notre Dame is totally fine with, where, with what Dante's doing. Because there's two things. Number one, Dante has communicated to the Notre Dame staff from day one, this was his plan. Now they tried to convince him of a different path and he stuck to his plan, but he's been very, he's been very open and honest about it. And so I think, I think the staff is comfortable with where things are now, how long it drags out. We'll find out. But I think that, I think it's important for the quarterback thing, but there's a lot of kids that are very interested in Notre Dame right now, regardless of what the quarterback situation is. We just got to see if they can close on them. But I, Look, I, I could see I could see them getting at least two to three offensive players before Dante Moore makes a decision in the twenty three class. And I'm not even talking about if they're able to get Jabron Payne today. I'm just talking twenty twenty three class. Mm-hmm. So then you say, well, then what happens if they actually are able to get Dante Moore? Which I still, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but like we're going to get asked this. Yep. I, I have my opinion on on Dante Moore and what his ultimate decision is going to be has not changed. It's just the timing is, which is frustrating because you know I'd love to be able to write about it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it it hasn't it hasn't changed. I, I I have heard nothing from anyone on any side of the, this discussion 
there's only one idiot that's trying to act like it's changed and that's someone who's isn't worth our time uh but from everyone else i talk to there's no one that think that thinks that the destination's changed it's just the timeline's not what we'd hoped it would be yeah and i mean it, it's i mean honestly we just had a we had a a thought that it may happen sometime soon, right? So we may want it to happen in April. I mean, exactly, I'm, exactly. There's no question. So that perception lets us down a little bit, right? Because it, it got extended a little further. And I don't think it's a Dante issue. I, I think this is kind of what he wanted to do, like you had said earlier in the show, right? It's it's we're we're impatient. We're very impatient right. because we're what we're at where we're at with this is Dante Moore, if he commits to Notre Dame, starts the avalanche effect. We've start, we've talked about this a ton already. So we have set this up and we you made the post, right? Like what's the over under on April? Because right. the perception is if Dante commits, then there may be some more repercussions in that in that, you know, and, and more effect to that cause. So it's just the simple fact of the timing of everything. It's definitely a letdown, right. but I am on the same wavelength as you. I and I've said this many times. If the decision came down today, I think it would be Notre Dame. Right. If it comes down this month, I think it'll be Notre Dame. Now, the longer it stays open, the more threat you are to outsiders getting in. Yeah. But right now, I still can't tell you who yeah. the number two team is for Dante right. Moore. I can't tell you. There really isn't one. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing, too, is, is again, the context of the fact that that the the, the, the like kids aren't committing anywhere, really. Like, top kids aren't committing anywhere the last month. It's been strange. Like I said, it's it's almost like I was – part of the reason I was expecting it to happen is is what trends have been in the past. But we're just not seeing it. Right. We're just not seeing those same trends this year. And, you know, and again, I, I think there's a lot of things to it. I think the COVID stuff, I think the official stuff, I think the NIL, I think all of it's factoring into why kids are taking their time with this. There's just a lot more that that's going to factor into their decisions. But it's not just Notre Dame, because as I said the other day, look, for everyone panicking about recruiting, we had somebody on the on the message board was like, I, I kind of think he was somewhat being hyperbolic. But he said, you know, Notre Dame's got to get some closers. And I was like my man, Notre Dame has as many commits in this class as Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama combined. I mean, they're okay. They're fine. Right, exactly. Right? Like, let's just let's just be patient. But it, I, I get the frustration. I do. And my guy Spanky says, let's get serious here. One of us keeps going back and forth with facial hair, and one of us doesn't need to hide his face. So, so my response to Jason in the text was, Dude, you can't even grow a beard. Like he can't grow a beard. I've seen Jason. He still has like he still has like peach fuzz on parts of his face. So you know it's all good. But Jason, I had to pull that up because he gave us uh, chat. I appreciate that, Jason. But uh, you know, don't hate the player, man. I hate the game. So it's all good. So get back up to some football questions. Can't. I just can't. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jordan says, I don't think you mentioned Marist with Joseph, Adamiola, Foskey, and possible elite players. Was that on purpose? How does Marist get to that level? Were we talking about yet the, the question from yesterday, Ryan? I think that's what he's referring to. No, I think so. We definitely talked about Marist because I was making fun of Ryan for uh, how long it took him to get to Marist when we were having that conversation. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it but was. But as far, as far as Marist... I'm trying to remember the, the aspect of the conversation we had yesterday. I thought it was, but it was about you and I talk or you and I talking yesterday about the having the, the elite players at each level. Right. Remember, remember that? Right. But I mean, the only person that it would be on the second level is Marist. I mean, that's right. the only guy it would be. Whether we mentioned by him by name or not, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I thought we did, to be honest with you. But 
But. I mean, honestly, Jordan, from the conversations we've had about Maris the last couple months, I don't, I don't think there should be any question about whether or not we think he can be a, a big time football player. Uh, I think if if we're if looking at the names that you that you put out, I think one of the things is we those guys are more proven though. I mean, that would be the one thing I would say, and why I would be more willing to throw their names. But sometimes y'all have to understand we just kind of examples of players we can't give an exhaustive list of every kid that fits that criteria every time we have a conversation otherwise our shows would go even longer than they already do so uh we to 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 get it like there's no one in this chat that doesn't think maris lufau could have a a big season next year right could he be an elite player i mean maybe we'll see but he doesn't have to be he just has to be he has to be a difference maker he has to be a, a star you know i mean i think that's the that's the key he's he's elite in my heart so that's all that matters and he he's been on that train for two years i mean i remember we talked after the alabama game and i've said this before but ryan was like i mean i'm like you do know notre dame lost right he's like didn't care did you watch maris did you watch jason Adamiola? because and, and it wasn't even that maris played great it just it's like when you when you see a notre dame against a clemson and an alabama you start to kind of see who athletically yeah belongs who fits. In that field who fits yeah and mm-hmm. and really there were there were three guys especially that just athletically showed like they could play with anybody and that was kyle hamilton in that game he had that just stupid pass breakup which basically told alabama yeah we're not gonna throw the ball beyond 10 yards anymore this game no nope. barris was just athletically phenomenal now, he missed a bunch of tackles and took that but i mean just athletically is what impressed ryan and then Jason Adamiola. I mean, there was the one play where he took just with one hand, took that 300. Was it is it Brown? Is that that like 350 pound guard they had? Yeah, Tay Brown. Yeah, just yep. threw him with like one hand. You're like, okay, this dude came to play today. Uh, you know, but yeah, he would he would be in that conversation. That's Marist is my uh, Bo Bauer for for Vince. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. fair. And yours, no, he's your Cam Hart. Like Vince Ooh, loves yeah, Vince yeah. likes Bo. He thinks he's a good kid. He loves the hair. You know, the reckless abandon. Mm-hmm. It's if nice he hair. had to pick one true love, it's it's Cam Hart. As a player, yeah. it's it's Cam Hart. It That's is. a good pick. That's yeah. a good pick. It Can't is. go wrong. I was on the Cam Hart train way early, and I'm I'm driving that thing. And he All likes right. to remind us of it every time his name comes up. <laughs> hey, you know, dog finds his tail every now and again, Brian. I got so no problem with it. When you I find no it, you hold on tight. I just don't think you're giving you enough, yourself enough credit about other things you've been right on. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Jordan's got a good hypothetical here. He says, do you think the bus regrets not coming back in 93? If he had, would Notre Dame have beaten BC? No and yes. I mean, wh- where where was Jerome Bez drafted? I was going to say, he had a pretty good NFL career. <laughs> yeah. He, he was top 10, wasn't he? Was he yeah, he was pretty – yeah, he was he – was, he was 10th. He went to the Rams at 10. You're not going to – as a running back, you're not going much. I know it was a different yeah. era. I get that. Yeah. But still. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think he regrets that. I mean, he got to play in Los Angeles because they were the, they were L.A. at the time, yeah. correct? I believe that. I remember correctly. Yes. Ryan, yep. You're a Rams were. fan. You would, yep. you would remember that, right? They, 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 moved, they moved to St. Louis in like 98 or 99. Yeah. So, yep, you're right. So, and, you know, you look at his, his rookie year, he rushes for 1,400 yards as a rookie. I, I think he – I don't think he regretted that decision. Uh, now, would he, Notre Dame have beat BC that next year? Yeah, Notre Dame would have been just yeah. stupid good that next year with him yeah. at running back. I, I, I've always often like, cause Reggie Brooks actually had an extra year left too. And I've often wondered, could you imagine what that Notre Dame team would have looked like if you'd have had Jerome Bass and Reggie Brooks in the backfield in 1993? Good Lord. That would have been a national title. BC would have had that. no chance. None. Zero. No chance. Zero. But I don't think best re- bus regrets it. He's getting his degree now. He's yeah. a hall of famer. Yeah. Worked out. All right. 
who who is the quarterback for BC? Wasn't it the Glenn Foley? Was that, it was. Was that yeah. BC quarterback? Wow. And Pete Mitchell was their tight end. Yeah, yeah. and then it, and people forget BC was a really good football team that year. I was like they were like ranked thirteenth or sixteenth or something like that when that game played. Now Notre Dame had no business losing to them, but that was a good football team. This is a bit of a repeat, but it, it kind of goes in a different direction from Eric. He says, with Tate and Moore seemingly going to take official visits to LSU the same weekend as the Blue Gold game, which they were going to Notre Dame together that weekend, how important is their official visit to Notre Dame become now? All right, let me just say this right now. I I, I pretty much am ready to be done talking about Cardinal Tate. Like <laughs> the last the last week, the no, this isn't a knock on Cardinal. Cardinal's a heck of a player. I mean, it, and I, good kid. I got no issues with Cardinal. Just the intel that we've got the last week, Ryan, is like, yeah, he's not coming to Notre Dame. Like, it's just, he's not coming to Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. unless things dramatically change, he's not coming to Notre Dame. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move on from that comp- part of the conversation. With Dante Moore, I would much rather him take his official visit to LSU now yeah, than absolutely. come to Notre Dame's Blue Gold game for an unofficial. And the yep. reason I say that is because I want him to get his official visits out of the way yep. exactly sooner right. rather than later. So uh, yep. that would be my reason. I was happy that. when you said that they could take official visits in April. I didn't yeah. realize that was the case. Yeah. And that is, that's good news to me because, and look, I have no problem with kids taking their official visits. I, I, I am a, from a personal standpoint, I'm a, I am not a well-traveled person. I, I'd be taking visits to yeah. LA, to Florida. Like I'd be going all I'd over. Have taken it. I would have probably taken officials when I was back then, just because, and I would have known where I wanted to go. I mean, Absolutely. Still, it's like, you, cause you really never know. Like you may think you want to go somewhere, but then you go out to this other place. You're like, wow. Like, okay. And look, it's fun to better. be wanted. Okay. Mm-hmm. And wait, it doesn't snow here in the winter. Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? Oh, right. yes. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to be wanted though. Right. I mean, kids want to be doted on. I have no problem mm-hmm. with that either. So take your officials, right. get them over with, and then yeah. make a decision. I, I'm, I'm, and, 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 and I, yeah, I, I agree with you, Vince. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's still pretty crazy to think that the kids can take all their official visits and it still be spring decision. That's pretty nuts. I think about. it's great. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I do. That's I, awesome. I don't love the sped up calendar in some ways, but in other ways, I think for the kids, yeah. I think it's, it's good for them to be able to make an early decision to focus on their senior seasons. Bingo. That's what it but is. But also to be able to make sure that they can now, visit the places because there's some kids that can have parents and this is Dante made his comments like look you know he's made comments and interviews where you know his his family's in a position where they can take him places right and he appreciates that but it's different when somebody else is paying for it and you know you know you get kind of get the red carpet rolled out and all that you know what like if I was 17 years old I probably would have (laughs) absolutely absolutely and there's nothing wrong with that I'm sorry there's nothing wrong with that you only get to do this once doesn't mean I I like it and, well, because theory. from a Notre Dame standpoint, you know, we've talked about why Dante committing impacts the class, but sure. Looking at it from Dante's standpoint, I, I completely under, and I probably would have done the same thing. John, uh, this is always a good question, uh, including USC and Navy. What three teams would you like to see Notre Dame play annually? This is a good one. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about doing an article on this, Ryan. Mm-hmm. So does this mean USC and Navy are automatically two of the three, or is it say in, is it in addition? He said including. To, that's so what I imagine. Maybe me. one more. Okay. Okay. My, my my would be Michigan. I would love them to play Michigan every year. I know. If you'd but, add a state on the end of that, I would be all about it. Seriously, nah, yeah, man. Let me, let me explain why. Because I'm a because these rivalries right here, they're traditionalist rivalries, right? Yes, hundred percent. The the, the sure. fact that Michigan fought so hard, their anti-Catholic bigotry, and I'm not even Catholic. 
their anti-Catholic bigotry and how hard they fought to, to keep Notre Dame out of the, the, the Western Conference, which is the Big Ten, and, and to really try to get other teams not to schedule Notre Dame and not play Notre Dame. And it's like Michigan, Michigan actually, their stupidity and bigotry is what created the Notre Dame monster that eventually mm-hmm. swallowed them up to where in the 90s they were you know begging Notre Dame to join the Big Ten, right? And so I'll never forget that. Just like I'll never forget that Navy is a big part of the reason Notre Dame even still mm-hmm. exists as an institution. Yep. The one the one school, and, and especially in the 50s, when the second go-around when Notre Dame tried to join the Big Ten, the one school that always tried to advocate on Notre Dame's behalf was Michigan State. And that's why I feel a level of loyalty to them and respect to them that I just don't have for Michigan. And I feel like beating Notre Dame is more important for Michigan than, than beating Michigan is for Notre Dame. And that's just kind of how I feel about it. So I have some, I have some very hard feelings towards Michigan and I always have their football program. I've always disliked their football program. And a lot of it is because of the the historical stuff. Well, so and that's where it, where it comes from me. And that's why I want them to play them. Cause I hate yeah. Michigan and I want us to beat them every year. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like, but that's the thing is like, I feel like the time, cause Michigan will beat Notre Dame. Sometimes you're not going to dominate them the way you do Navy. Right. They get a lot more out of it than Notre Dame gets out of playing them. And I just don't even want to give them that, that satisfaction of it. Cause plus their fans are just the worst. <laughs> so uh, Michigan state would be a team that if, if that three Michigan state would be that I would like to actually say, and I've kind of gone back and forth on whether or not I wanted a big 10 team to even be on there, but I've kind of come back around on Michigan state. being well, that team. I'd like to see, like, I'd like to see Notre Dame just consistently play Michigan state, Purdue and Northwestern in some sort of rotation, you know, like maybe four Michigan state two Purdue two Northwestern four Michigan state two Purdue two Northwestern, you know, and that kind of thing. The rest of the big 10, I don't give a rip about. I want I, I like the Purdue matchup to be honest mm-hmm. with you, and they, there's a lot of history there with Purdue, uh, which I appreciate. I like the tradition, which is why obviously USC and Navy are on that list. And Vince, you're also an Indiana guy, so I think that brings a real unique perspective yeah, to that. Right. That I, Ryan's from Jersey, I'm from Ohio, that we don't we don't appreciate. Yeah, yeah and that's fair. I, I you know a lot of now granted we're surrounded by Michigan fans too, but there's a lot of Purdue fans around here, and I think that they appreciate that rivalry as well. And I don't have I don't have a disdain for Purdue fans. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I like that, uh, that matchup. And you had mentioned it as part of like a rotation. I'd be fine with that as well, but I like the fact that they've got Purdue back on the schedule. I, mm-hmm. I like having Purdue. So when, when are they back on the schedule? Well, they were there this past year oh, and yeah. I don't know if it's a home and away situation. I'd have to start looking at all that, but I know they're not on it for this coming year. So I, I think, I think they should schedule with Rutgers and just come to Rutgers every year so I can watch it. <laughs> or just play some East Coast team at MetLife. That would be that would. That's work fair. Yes. You know, I'm I'm still waiting for Syracuse to give up their home game against Notre Dame this year. I'm still waiting on that announcement because <laughs> they always do because they're idiots. I was at I was at MetLife when they played Syracuse last In time. Sixteen. Okay. Yeah. 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 I remember everyone like Notre Dame's going to get killed and they're going to score a million points. And I'm like, hey, y'all, Van Gorder ain't here anymore, <laughs> so they're not going to score fifty. They scored thirty-one, but yeah, that was an interesting game. I think there's some other some national games I, I'd like to see Notre Dame kind of play annually. First of all, I want to get rid of Stanford. I'm so done with the Stanford series. Like the lack of respect they have for their own football program is just I don't care. I just don't think playing Stanford does a lot for you recruiting in California anymore. You're already playing USC every year. I would much rather see, you know, some kind of Pac-12 rotation, you know, kind of thing. Two with UCLA, two with Oregon, two with Washington, something like that. 
But there are there are some teams I've always felt like I'd like to see Notre Dame play. I don't know if there's anyone else I'd like to see them play annually. Yeah, but somewhat regularly. I love. I would love it if Notre Dame played Tennessee four to six times in a decade. It's it's a it's a somewhat of a regional game. You know, Tennessee's a just a state away. I mean, there's just Kentucky between Indiana and Tennessee. You know, uh, Nashville's five hours away from where we live, Vince. I mean, we could get down to Nashville. We could leave now and and be there before it gets dark. You know, I mean, um, not that I'm making, you know, a suggestion. I'm not, like, throwing out offers. <laughs> Got a game tonight. And if we were going to Nashville. Yeah, but Tennessee's also a state I'd like to see Notre Dame recruit more. I, yeah. I'd like to see them have a little bit more success in the state. So that's one that I've always kind of like, you know. And, and, of course, part of it all comes down to what you grew up on. Absolutely. Like Ryan, I would imagine like the Michigan series is something you just kind of grew up on a little bit. For me, I mean, Notre Dame had some great games during the time when I was growing up as a Notre Dame fan in like the late, you know, 89, 90. I mean, some games like that. So I've always felt like that was one I would like to see. Um, I play. I really like them playing BYU this next year. I, I do like that matchup. Would I you think- like that to be annual events? I've had a lot of people say they'd like that because of the independent. The I wouldn't aspect. be opposed to it, to be honest with you. I really wouldn't. I, I don't. I kind of like the whole, you know, hey, we're independent. Let's stick together kind of thing. I, I have no problem with that and kind of support each other. Um, I love the fact that it's in Vegas this year. I mean, I think that's going to be a lot of fun, um, especially since our podcast company is based out of there. Mm. Um, so... I think that's a pretty cool thing for us. Um, but I, I do like that series. I, I think that's a that's a fun one, and I'm excited about that one this year. So I think that would be a good one too. That's good. And any others like kind of national ones, Ryan, that you would can kind of consider wanting to see on somewhat of a regular basis? Just think of teams that I don't like, you know, I want them to beat them. So like yeah. Texas would be one. I don't like Texas at all. And Notre Dame's trying Miami. to get back in Texas a ton. So my yeah. oh Miami be a good one too. Yeah, yeah. LSU. Let's get LSU on the schedule. Let's get BK yeah. on the schedule, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm not gonna lie, I would not mind a uh, LSU bowl game or something like that. I love this. Mormons versus Catholics in Sin City. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Let's do it. We let's have the t shirts made and ready to go. And I think it'd be kind of cool. I would actually not mind a, 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 an annual rivalry against BYU where you don't often play on each other's home field. Yeah, yeah, it's kind like, of like Shamrock you know, maybe like type thing. But in a not in bad, a five but... game series, two at Notre Dame, one in Provo, and then two in a neutral field. Because like BYU likes to kind of, I mean, they kind of have to recruit a bit more broad themselves. You know, like getting a game in the Rose Bowl. You know, something like that, like a neutral site game in the Rose Bowl, a neutral site game in in Texas, and you know where they both kind of can get in front of. For BYU, yeah. that's good because people are going to come for Notre Dame, and then if you're able to play them, and I mean, let's be honest, BYU's given Notre Dame a lot of tough games over. Yeah, the they've given them fits. a lot of tough games over the years, no doubt. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John's got a question here. It says if the offensive line play in 21 was at the level it was in 19, would Jack Cohn be a lock pick within the first three rounds? I'm just going to go no, man. I'm, I'm, I am. I, I don't want to sound like a hater, but I, I, I just don't think – Like I think Jack Cohn's going to get drafted. I, I just – I really do. I just – I don't think that his talent level is a top three-round player. That's just all it comes down to for me. I think I think in this draft he could have snuck into, into day two. I do just to, because this, it, because we've seen, I mean, look, if Ian book can go in the fourth round, you know what I mean? Like that's where I come down. If Kellen Mond can go in the third round, then, you know, it's I the mean, lock that, part that I have a problem with. Yeah. Though, right? Lock. No. Uh, but, but the other thing too is, is it's not just, it wasn't just a line. It was also that Jack was learning a new system and playing with new receivers. I mean, there's a lot of things that went into it. You know, I, I think maybe could have snuck into maybe could have snuck into round two, but again, I don't think the offensive line was very good in 2019. So that's the other thing is like they were decent in pass pro, but they weren't a great line. If you'd have told me like the 18 line, maybe, but hmm. you know, I, I I just I think he could have snuck in because it just takes one team to fall in love with a guy. But I don't know if my grade would have been a day two grade, no matter what. Because again, the thing is, Ryan, when you're evaluating a player. To me, it's not so much about the production or the line. Because I can have, I can look at a player and say, hey, look, if this guy was playing with our line, he could be a good player because look what he did when he got a clean pocket. And you can evaluate those things. Mm-hmm. It still comes down to that has nothing to do with your athletic ability. It has nothing to do with your arm strength. It has nothing to do with your ball placement. It has nothing to do with those physical things that that don't change depending on how good or bad your team around you is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other part is that doesn't change because his line is better or his receivers would be better or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And ultimately at the end of the day, that's, that's what it's about. On a scale, this is God country, Notre Dame barbecue on a scale of one to 10. What's the likelihood of Notre Dame getting a few surprise commitments during the blue gold game or that weekend? Mm. I- it's low. I mean, for the blue gold, it's surprise. Low. Yeah, it's low. So, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if everybody else, not you guys. Well, if you're on the message board, it should be no surprise at all. I mean, honestly, but um, I mean, quick plug there. But I mean, seriously, I, I, I don't think that any player that's a little off the radar is escalated to the point where they're going to make a surprise commitment that soon. Like, yeah, M- most kids these days don't make emotional decisions like they did in the past. And, you know, I think kids that commit during the blue gold game are kids that have kind of planned it it's a calculated so, thing yeah. right and so yeah. we do expect at least one commitment to happen either sometime after the game i don't know if it'll be that day but yeah i i, I don't 
If there's going to be a surprise, Ryan, it'll be a 24 kid. That's Ooh. what I'll say. That it'd would be, be a 24 kid. It wouldn't be a 23 kid. It'd be a 24 kid who just wants to come to Notre Dame and wants that spot and That's they give me okay. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the only time I'd be surprised is if some kid during that visit gets the okay to commit that didn't have the, the okay to come in. Right. Yeah. That would be the only way it'd be surprised. And, and, and a sophomore, a sophomore is more likely to make an impulsive decision most right. likely. So yeah, good point. Right. Good point. Right. But I don't, I don't know who that is. I'm not, I'm not sure. Right. That's why it would be a surprise. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So I can't, well, my point is I can't answer the question to give him a scale. <laughs> right. Cause I don't, right. I don't, you know, I don't know who it is. Say five, right? Because I want to respect him enough to give him an answer to his question. So yeah. five, right? Three. I'll go three. Very low, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. John says, can Matt Salerno be as impactful as Chris Fink, who I grossly <laughs> underestimated? I don't see it personally. No. I mean, it's great that he got a scholarship, and but I think that's more about the numbers that were in the room for the spring than it was about necessarily his – ability to impact the game from the wide receiver position. So I talking about Chris Fink. No, I'm talking about Matt Salerno. Yeah. I think Chris Fink's a good football player. Yeah. I don't think Matt Salerno is that kind of athlete. Right. Or that kind of route runner and pass catcher right. and all that. So no, I don't. Yep. Agreed. I don't think so. Completely. I'm not really sure what this would mean. So I'm going to throw it up there and hopefully you guys can define it for me. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Thomas says, when is the Driscoll versus Ryan and Vince spring game mock draft show? See how your teams compare to the actual teams. So I guess the question I would have for Kevin is, is he referring to the draft that Notre Dame is going to have? Like for the blue, for gold, the blue game? gold game? If that's the case, the answer would be that show's not happening. <laughs> uh, and, that, and, that would be fun, though. That would right, be fun. but you and I, Ryan, talked about doing like perhaps a, a, a mock draft show for the NFL draft, and if that's what he's referring to, um, we haven't decided when that's going to be. We'll, and we'll probably have that at night. Yeah, we were going to do kind of like a fun, like a, like a, a, a rotating mock draft. It'll be before April 28th. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we haven't set a time for that yet. And I don't think Vince is going to be part of that. It'd be a Wednesday before. Like, isn't the draft on Thursday, right? Starts on Thursday. So do it on Wednesday, your Wednesday night show. Mm-mm, probably not. All right. Just throwing it out. There. So how about you just worry about, you know, your baseball schedule and we'll figure out the mock draft. Hey, get back in, you big baby. <laughs> Vince, I, I appreciated your comment, Vince, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Brown noser. <laughs> Here, here's a fun one, though. Here's a good question. We're moving on. Uh, oh, this guy's avatar is Brian, you're on mute. Uh, that's really funny. That's really good. That's good. That's really that's good. good. That's really no, good. No, my. F- <laughs> That one was really good, though. That, <laughs> that one was really good. good. That was okay. Good. Uh, it says if Michigan played against LSU, who would you rather see lose, or would you just hope that the game got canceled for whatever reason? Has LSU reached Vince's level of disdain for Michigan yet? That last part's the one I'm most interested to get an answer to. Um, this is a really tough question for me because they are both very, very, very low on on my respect level and like level obviously um <clears throat> i think from just I, the petty side is obviously going to come out on this one i think i would rather see i gosh i guess i would root for michigan no. i would do i would because here's michigan. why here's why as much as i hate michigan mm. 
as much as I just dislike most Michigan fans. Yes. Although Antoine has kind of softened me up a little bit. You know, we have a, a guy that's joined our chat recently, and man, oh, okay. a Michigan fan has actually been kind of cool. It's like he's awesome, man. Hilarious. I like him. But like from the Alabama fan. Yeah, there you go. I haven't seen him in a while. So it's like the first Al- Michigan fan I've met that I've actually liked. <laughs> but I just, we've had so many LSU morons jump into this chat. <laughs> That I just want to, I would just love to watch them just get blasted by Michigan. Like just watch Jim Harbaugh just like run for 350 yards on them. So yeah, I won't be rooting for LSU to beat anybody for the time being. Now when he, when this guy leaves, I've always liked LSU. I have. I've always, I've always, I mean, even back in the, I also had that real cool helmets and even going back like Rohan Davey. I mean, I've always, I've always liked their 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 midfield logo yeah like that kind of blurred out yeah eye thing. and i, I mean I, cool. I i loved watching their 2019 team i mean i've got so much all 22 of that offense man i just i love watching that stuff um but i disliked less miles and as much as i dislike less miles i still didn't dislike lsu I just dislike less but now it's like now that i've actually experienced lsu fan, and i've heard stories about lsu fans but now that we've actually experienced them a little bit, you're like, yeah, you suck. And your coach is a first class <laughs> a-hole. So I hope you lose every game. Right. I hope you lose to Troy again. You know? So yeah. Because um, yes, Troy has beaten LSU recently. <laughs> so yeah. I, I would pull for a zero-zero tie in which Brian Kelly and Jim Harbaugh get in a fight afterwards and Brian Kelly gets beat up. That's Jim Harbaugh fun. would curb stomp Brian Kelly in a fight. <laughs> I, I, know, <laughs> I, know, I, I know. I know. I know he would. I know he would. I have no doubt. He would. Be, he, oh my god! I mean, you can't have oh. a zero-zero tie, so maybe one of them. Would, but see, here's the thing: I would want Michigan to win in an ugly, ugly game, like you know, just where both teams look like crap. So, Man, someone said someone said two nothing or something. Yeah, like chat, a, so, yeah. a nine yeah. overtime two nothing game where it was just yeah, <laughs> it sets football back a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's at LSU. It's a big recruiting weekend. Right. Quarterbacks there, wide receivers are right. like wow, two nothing, right. and nice. they just look like crap. Yeah, I mean, but that would make sense. It would fit the it would fit the mantra, you know, big game moment, and you know that team led by that guy comes up short. Yeah. So, well, and if we're gonna if it is a big game, then it would have it couldn't be a close game. 37 13 it have to be it have to be something a blowout because that's i mean look we just go off evidence right we go off history track record you know so if michigan's ranked in the top 10 it's not going to be and if if it rains they're really screwed (laughs) yep oh gosh this is fantastic all right uh next up is john he says i'd imagine notre dame is going to continue to use 12 and 13 personnel in 22 will the second tight end be a weapon does Notre Dame have the talent potential to be explosive out of those personnel packages? Yes, they will use those. The answer to number two, you know, will the second tight end be, it just depends on who the number two tight end is. You know, if it's, if it's, if it's uh, Mitchell Evans, two degree, you know, I, I think they like Mitchell's pass catching a little bit more than, than you know, it's a little bit more, con, you know, a little bit more consistent than George Takis, but, uh, but I, you know, I don't think it'd change a lot. It would look a lot like George. I think the only way the second tight end is going to be a weapon is if it's if it's Cambarong. Uh, I, I think that would be the only way. Is if Cambarong wins the number two job, then I, you don't put Cambarong on the field to be a blocker. And if you do, you're just not doing this football thing right. I mean, that's just not that he can't block. That's not what I'm saying. It's just you don't just use him just to do that. You're wasting what he does really, well, really, really well, which is run. So I just think it depends on who it is. And do they have the talent to be explosive out of those packages? Yeah, absolutely they do. Run game-wise, pass game-wise. Look, when you, when, when you have the best tight end in the country, 
and the kind of speed that we think Notre Dame's going to have on the outside, yeah, you because the play action game is going to be huge out of that stuff, especially if you're able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, no, I think that's what makes it explosive is the fact that the running the run game has the opportunity to be very explosive in its own right. So off of play actions, where my head's kind of going there, I am interested. I know Kane's obviously coming from in, back from injury, all that type of stuff. I would like to see him on the field though, man, because I think it does add a different level of explosiveness. I saw Evans. Evans is a long, good-looking, linear athlete, right? So, like, he can do those things, I believe, as well. But mm-hmm. I think Kane would be the best option to make it explosive working with Mayer. I'm sorry. I have to pull this up. Colin McCann says, first snap of the game, all LSU, all LSU players start awkwardly grinding on Michigan players while the sky camp spins around them 360 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> what they're being taught though right i mean oh my gosh you only play how you're coached oh my goodness gracious that was really good and then they all sit down and have a fine meal prepared by the lsu chef yes that'll be and it'd be right there in the football i mean it'd be right there it's just you know <laughs> all right you know, let's get back anyway to let's get back <laughs> to questions here. i'm sorry i just that was beautiful uh hulk strongest what are our chances to land zion reagan uh, this kid is fast. A kid is very fast. I think he ran like 10-3 something in 100 meter as a, as a freshman in high school. So, yeah, he's pretty fast, man. Um, I mean, who knows? It's way too early. It's way too early. I, I know when I talk to Zion, he has interests. Like, everybody's going to have interests when they get offered by Notre Dame. It's, I mean, obviously, he's a, he's a two-sport star. He wants to also do track in college. So I think that that hurts Notre Dame's chances a little bit, just a little bit, because there's going to be other programs that I think offer just a little more from a track yeah. and field perspective. Yep. So I think they'll be in the conversation, but I think it's a little bit of a long shot right now. A little bit of a long shot. I think the only kid that I can remember picking Notre Dame who wanted to run track was Troy Pride. That's it. It just they just don't have the reputation as a track program and being in the north. You just now there were other guys that ran track. I'm talking about guys like Rocket ran track, Alan Rossum ran track, Chris Tyree mm-hmm. had talked about it. I'm talking about a guy who like was set on doing and Braden it Lindsay. College. Braden Lindsay was yeah, but Braden talking Lindsay, about it, right? Yeah, but, but it wasn't like it. and that's part of the reason we went to Oregon. I guess that's yeah. another one, Vince. That's a good right. one. Uh, now he ended up not actually doing it. Right, right. But and but again, remember that's part of the reason they lost him initially. Right, exactly. Part of the reason he decommitted that because he was gonna go to other, Oregon. There's other yeah. factors, but yeah. Uh but yeah, it just it doesn't happen often. And and this kid's like he's not just a track participant. Like this kid, if it continues, right. could be like an Olympic preliminary right. type of dude. Really good in the two hundred in Oregon, right? right? But Brayden Lindsay's fast, but Brayden Lindsay's not Chris Tyree fast. He's not Troy Pride fast. He's not like Troy Pride ran a four four flat of the combine and was pissed, hmm. right? Like I mean, we thought we had him on the show, and he's like, you know, he's like, dude, I was running like four twos. And so he was, was like, he was just, he was not happy about that. But I mean, think about that. You ran a four, four flat and you were pissed. Yeah. And, and was, it was considered at the time, Ryan, it was considered a disappointment. Like people were like, wow, he only yep. ran a four, four. It's like, wow, that's, that's disappointing. Everybody so, thought he was a four, three kid. Everybody yeah, thought it was they're a talking four, about, three, is he going to be the yeah. fastest guy at the combine? I mean, and Brayden Lindsay's fast, but he's not that fast. Like yeah. Brayden Lindsay's more like four, four, could maybe run like a four, four, two to four, four. Like he's that kind of fast. He's not. He's not Chris Tyree fast. I, he's not track wise. In high school, I ran a four four and was upset about it. Yeah, thirty dash pro, pro shuttle. 
Wow. That'd be a pretty good time for me in the pro shuttle, to be honest. So I'll take it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but like Chris Tyree was an interesting one because he actually, for two straight years, had the fastest 50-50 meter da- indoor dash time in the country for his grade, which is which is saying something. But yeah, I it just, like I'm trying to look here. Like, yeah, Chris Tyree's looks like his best 100 was like 10-6-6. Which is pretty good. His best uh, in his best fifty-five meter was six three zero. Like I said twice, he was he was the fastest player in the country. But I'm trying to find Zion's track numbers just to kind of give you all a. It, it was it was like ten three something yeah. as a freshman. Right. <laughs> as a freshman, like yeah. trying to yeah. find the numbers. But yeah, he he's his his times are just like absurd. Yeah, his best in his best hundred meter time is a ten three seven. As a freshman, because he's a mm-hmm. sophomore, which means this right. is th- these numbers are before this right. spring season. Right. Yeah. His, his best 200 meter time is a, a 21.29. Right. I mean, so it translates. I, I, it translates. Right. And, and so when you look at like Braden Lindsay, for example, who was a state champion in the 200 meter dash, his best time was 21.34. That was as a junior. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, this kid's putting up better numbers as a sophomore. I mean, he is freshman, right? So those sophomore numbers, right? The the sophomore numbers aren't out yet. I wouldn't say that's right. So I mean, those are those are insane times. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in in theory, because I think that the the record is Lorenzo Bromel. I think in high school that ran nine nine nine. Right. In theory, this kid could be in that ballpark. So he's. I mean, he's a high level track kid in in college. I have heard he likes Notre Dame, but at the end of the day, that's because he's young and he's grown up watching Notre Dame and what it sure. stands for. But when it comes down to like decision-making time and he's looking at his future, here's the other thing too. When you look at like NIL stuff, the kids from individual sports are making huge, huge deals. And I'm talking like gymnastics, like Brett, like I've seen some things where some of these stu- kids from like, there's these like uh, female gymnasts that are like getting these huge NIL deals because it's just, it's like one person and it's an individual sport. So right. that's also something factor. And two is like, if he's, if, if he's as legit as, as we think about, even if he does decide to go to college period, he may just start saying, Hey, I'm trying to go to the Olympics and become a professional sprinter. I don't know what the rules are for that. You know, if he does decide to go to college, he's going to get huge deals for NIL. And I just, you know, I guaranteed money. And I, that's going to dwarf what football guys are getting in some instances, I would that's imagine. Good point. So, that's a good point. I, just, I don't. I don't think when it comes down to like decision making time, I just have a hard time seeing him looking at Notre Dame. He's really, really fast. John has a question that will never occur, but it's fun to talk about anyway. He says if Marcus Freeman invited Irish Breakdown to speak to the team, what would the message be? I mean, for me, I think what I would probably do is I would just kind of talk about what's come before them and what the tradition and that they understand. But you know, you know what? Like honestly, you know what my message would be. I would I would really want to try to get the players to better embrace Notre Dame fans, and and and, and to do it in a way that doesn't involve Twitter, because what happens is is there's this thought amongst young people that Twitter is real life. It's not. I mean, the the I think I've read says like eighty percent of people in America aren't even on Twitter, and and I you know, really, yeah, it's like there's this assumption that everybody's on Twitter. Yeah, I know more people not on Twitter, like in my my sphere, than the people that are. 
And there's people like me that I'm only on Twitter because of my job. Right. Like, I wouldn't be on Twitter if it wasn't for my job. But lot to these kids, that's real life. So when these idiots get on Twitter and cuss at them or, you know, go at them, they think that represents fans. And so the last couple of years, and then it doesn't help that Brian Kelly uses that as motivation, you know, like to 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 turn the players against his own fan base. Remember the stupid comments of the Virginia Tech game? Just wish there's more Notre Dame fans here. You know, it's just like, dude, shut up. Uh, put a better product on the field. If you want more people to spend money coming to your game, then put a better product on the field. But, you know, the, the thing about it is, though, is like you started to see Notre Dame fans and, no, and Notre Dame players going at it on Twitter. And and I don't like that. I don't. First of all, I don't think people should be tweeting at players anything other than, you know, just normal type of comments. I would prefer just not tweet at them at all other than just, hey, good luck, because there's just nothing that kind of can come out of it. And, you know, maybe do things where, where you can be more engaged with the fan base because I've learned this in, in my job. Like, Vince, you know this. I used to really get bothered by things that people would say on message boards and Twitter, you know, just and it just like, man, it just would piss me off. And then after a while, I start doing this. You, you start getting all these emails from people. Like, hey, I don't post. I don't this. I don't that. But, man, we really respect what you do. And you're like, you know what? There's, there's going to be a lot more people out there like that. Right. Than, than these other idiots. And I would love to be able to, you know, talk to the team about, hey, here's the here's the proper way to engage Notre Dame fans and, and understand that these idiots on Twitter that are hiding behind some avatar that's not them, some name that's not them, they're cowards. They're not worth you getting upset about. The vast majority of fans love what you do and they respect what you do and find ways to connect with them a little bit more that way. That would be my advice to them. And then I would just want to make sure that they understand, like, do you know the tradition that you're that you're living up to? And do you understand the opportunity that's in front of you? You know, you have opportunities to be legends, right? It's just, are you willing to put in the work that the previous legends put in? And it would be a lot like what they're already hearing. So, yeah, right. Exactly. Know, again, it would never happen, but that would be. Love it. Yeah, that would be my my point of emphasis. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... 
The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.